Today we look at the second half of Psalm 22 and the way that it continues to reveal things that are predicting Jesus's death on the cross. And it's pretty fascinating. If you've never read it before, I pray that it blesses you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are continuing our study of Psalm 22, which is one of the most messianic psalms in the Bible. And what I mean by messianic is it not only predicts Jesus, but it reveals things about the cross that are just unbelievable. So if you haven't already listened to yesterday's episode, I would go back and listen to that first. And then we're going to be picking up where we left off. So I'm going to read the whole psalm and then we're going to go back and look at some different insights throughout the rest of the chapter. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and if I am not silent, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, 
and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing at their prey, opening their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in a dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouths of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. So we're going to go and pick up where we left off yesterday. Yesterday, we talked about the bulls of Bashan and the roaring lions. Today, I want to read and start with verse 14. It says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. This idea of the bones being out of joint. Strain and trauma can result in the sensation of, like, achy joints. But... This is a language that is a common figure of speech for suffering in the Psalms, as well as some of the other laments that we read in other ancient Mesopotamian literature. This idea of bones being out of joint is, is equivalented to suffering. So it, it can even describe events that are not just physical suffering, but emotional distress. So we see that in other places in the Psalms. And there's lots of other imagery throughout that time frame where it's talking about maybe your joints, joints are being separated and there's writhing or um, being thrust apart. It is a, it's common language just to represent suffering. In this particular section, this uh, verbiage of being out of joint that's somewhat interpretive here because the Hebrew would read scattered about. And that's a verb that we only see three other places. We see it in Job in two different places and we see it in Psalm 92. And so this verb meaning scattered about or out of joint, um, it's essentially this idea of not to be geographic, but when, if you think about like a wolf pack that has descended upon its victim and each member of the pack kind of carries off a portion of that victim 
to its own section. That's kind of the imagery that we're seeing here. So scattered about would be kind of maybe a, a better way to talk about it. Um, out of joint basically is just indicating that um, the bones are not together. So some of the cultures in the ancient Near Eastern time frame would have practiced a secondary burial. So the way, and I talked about this before, um, they used ossuaries. So the way that they would do it is the body would be laid out in like a cave, for instance, or a burial tomb until the flesh completely decomposed. And then once the flesh was decomposed, they would go back in and they would take the bones and they would move the bones to be in a final resting place. When we were in... Um, Rome, even we saw this, which is years and years later after these Psalms would have been written, but that's how they even did it with the underground catacombs. They had these tiny little shelves and I didn't realize that. And I, and our tour guide was like, oh no, that's where they put the bones. They, they let them decompose in this section and then they move the bones to another section. So that is not just something that was practiced in the ancient Near East that was practiced all over the world and lots of different cultures, um, even as late as the Roman times. So this idea of um, bones being out of joint, it's kind of referring to that kind of scenario. And that's something that indicates almost like an unrest because um, the way it kind of metaphorically speaking would have been understood in that culture is they wouldn't have had rest until their bones were in their final resting place. So when it's talking about, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. Yes, we are talking about the physical suffering that uh, Jesus would have been feeling on the cross. The emotional suffering, the, um, the final resting place that he would finally come to. And of course, it's this is allegorical because we know that through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is, is alive and active today. But when we're talking about how he was on the verge of death, this idea of bones being out of joint or scattered about was really an indicator of him saying, I know that this is not my final resting place. I know that there's going to be, you know, we're going to go through the resurrection and he's going to go through the ascension. Um, but it's this idea of the bones being out of joint that I think sometimes we miss because we don't understand what the original audience would have understood in that culture. In verse 15, my strength is dried up like a pot's herd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. I never knew what that meant. And I thought that was just kind of interesting in that culture, they use ceramic for everything. So ceramic vessels for, you know, carrying water or wine or juice or anything, milk, they would use these ceramic vessels. And, but as you know, especially with that time frame, they, they would break, ceramic breaks sometimes. And so when the ceramic vessels would break, they were essentially unusable. And so their fragments were called potsherds. And they would use them for writing. They would use them for scraping uh, or sometimes even just as fill. And those fired pieces of clay that were used as part of the ceramic vessel were extremely dry. And so when it says my strength is dried up like a pot and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth, it's, it's a word picture for sure, but also this idea that I'm now unusable and 
essentially now I'm broken. Now remember, don't don't get this wrong. Jesus, by being on the cross, was fulfilling his purpose, God's purpose for his life. But at this moment when he has taken on the sin of the world, he is separated from God. And so he, what we are seeing is this hopelessness, this feeling of abandonment that he feels on the cross he's never experienced before and he's only experiencing it as a result of our own sin and it's our sin that causes us to be broken it's our sin to make us feel like our bones are out of joint or we're scattered everywhere or we're unsettled it's our sin that takes us to that place and while we are the ones that deserve that punishment for that sin it's Jesus that took that sin on for us Verse 16, dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. So the dogs that are mentioned here are essentially equated with the evildoers in this passage. And there was, at this point in ancient Near Eastern history, there were domesticated dogs, but there was also a lot of dogs that lived as scavengers, and they would often roam in packs kind of on the outskirts of town and scavenging around the town itself. We see that in, uh, I think, Psalm 59, First Kings, they make a reference to it. And so for that reason, the term dog is often a term of contempt when we see it in the Bible. But that might not have been the case throughout the entire ancient Near East. That might be something that's a little bit different based on the location of Israel and Judah. Um, because there was other cultures that had, like Egypt, for example, that really kind of revered dogs and had they had a higher place in their society. But I think it's important to point out that when it's talking about dogs, um, it's it's kind of a negative sense. The dogs have surrounded me. So that could have meant literal dogs because in the location where... This would have happened where people were crucified. There would have been opportunity for dogs to scavenge at, at the end of that. It could have also meant or probably does mean the dogs surrounding me, the, the enemies. Um, either way, I think, or, or perhaps both, it, it could kind of do justice both in um, David's plea as the writer of the psalm talking about feeling like his enemies are surrounding him and also this prophetic nature of talking about what's happening at the time that Jesus is on the cross. And of course the latter part of that verse where it talks about they have pierced my hands and my feet. That is a direct allusion to or reference or prophetic word towards the crucifixion of Jesus. And so we again see that in Matthew 27 and 35, it talks about um, when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Crucifixion, by the very definition, is putting somebody up on a cross and nailing nails through their hands and through their feet. So this idea of crucifixion, their, his hands and feet being pierced, is a direct connection that is simply undeniable. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that is always so mesmerizing to me when people deny the connection between the Old Testament prophetic words and the actual things that happen on the cross to Jesus. It's, it's a, to me, it's a proof text, but you know, there's so many of them in, in, in chapter 22, we could, we could go on all day. The next verse, um, Actually, let's go down to 18. 
They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. That, again, is referring to how the Roman soldiers did exactly as that verse predicted. And it was another amazing fulfillment of prophecy. Because, again, we could not have predicted how the enemies of Jesus would have acted after Jesus died. Like he, it's not like he was controlling them somehow. This was a direct prediction of what was going to happen. And actually that's, it's not like that was customary. Um, although we know that the Roman soldiers would have had the right to the clothes of a convicted criminal, there's no evidence of that for the soldiers that were supervising executions in the Old Testament. There was no no evidence of, of them taking their clothes and dividing them up by lot. So it wasn't even something was culturally expected. Because again, think about the time difference, the cultural differences. It wasn't even something that they would have at that point recognized or understood to be normal. And so when we see this later, it's just this connection of how God reveals things before they happen to further give evidence and credibility when they actually do happen. We're going to talk about the the, the gift of prophecy or prophetic literature in the scriptures, or um, we've I've been getting a lot of requests to do a series on the gifts of the spirit. And so we'll talk about prophecy in that series. Um, I'm not going to stop here because there's so much else we have to get to, but if that is something that interests you, hold on because we'll be doing a series on that soon. All right, let's skip down to verse 22. It says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. So I want to read something for you. We're going to flip forward to, so keep that verse in mind, to Hebrews chapter 2 verses 11 and 12. It says, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And so what we're seeing here is Hebrews relating this verse that we're reading in Psalms to Jesus. And it marks how essentially he triumphed over sin by his death on the cross. And so Jesus now is the exalted redeemer, the one who rescues and liberates, frees us from, and I'm talking about those of us that are trusting him, from the eternal results of sin. And and really, the purpose that he accomplished on the cross was to restore us to right relationship with God. And so as he's talking about those that are gathering around him, he's referring to them as brothers and he gives us that name that because that can also mean anybody essentially that trusts him and accepts his sacrifice for, for him, for them, and is in relationship with him. And so together, and of course it's sisters too, it's not, it's a familial relationship, it's not just male, but together we are able to honor God for the same reasons we should honor Jesus today. And we we know that there is a result of Jesus' suffering. And that result, that sacrifice that he made for us, is eternal life as long as we know God. And and this, I think people overcomplicate this. 
the bottom line, this, it's called a free gift for a reason. We just have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that sacrifice that he made that was for us and that he took on that penalty for us and then he resurrected and then he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. It, it's just belief. That's the starting place of this relationship is a belief and acceptance that he did this for us. And that message that message of how he forgave us and took on the penalty for us, that is what spread life to all of the new nations that this gospel message went to. As Paul took on his missionary journeys, all these trips around the world and spread this good news, it's still good news for us right now. It's still the good news that we talk about how um, we can have this ongoing, lasting relationship that gives us access to God through Jesus. And that's the whole point of this psalm. That's the whole point of the whole rescue plan of Jesus in general. But the whole point of this psalm is to point you to this process. So as we finish up today's study, the goal of the last couple of verses, let me read 13 31. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. This idea that future generations will be told about the Lord. These verses themselves are a prophecy about how the followers of Jesus, you and me, will spread the message of the gospel about who he is and what he's done. So we, of course, need the power and the guidance and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But this is a section of the scripture that is referring to what will happen with future generations and to people yet unborn. And that message, that message of hope and forgiveness and new life is found through our faith in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that excites me. It's, it's why I do what I do. It's why I teach my children to do what they do. It's why I work with five countries and, and I help encourage and empower and equip them to do what they need to do because this this hope of the gospel is the hope that the world needs and it excites me that there is still a people yet unborn that will declare this message of hope and and so i i pray that that's where we rest that's where we come to meditate for the rest of the day that we are included in that 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 of course it's talking about the disciples this psalm is looking forward talking about the disciples that will be declaring his his message and and Paul and and everybody else has come since but it's also talking about you and me and what role that we have to play in the kingdom and regardless of your circle of influence we talked about that back in when we when we went through the she years bible study and we talked about the samaritan woman that you have an opportunity to speak into your circle of influence more so than anybody else, more so than me, more so than your pastor, more so than, you know, some, somebody on TV. It's not their job to speak into the life of the people in your circle of influence. It's yours because God gave you a message that nobody else can share. And God gave you an opportunity, people to reach that nobody else can reach. And, and that's not to say that they can't ever be reached any other way, but, but think about it this way. The people that are in your life, your circle of influence, I'm not going to meet them. The, the, mo most likely I won't meet them, but you will. You have a relationship with them for a reason. God has a message for you to share for a reason. And so let's reread Psalm 22, thinking about the things we talked over the last two days and just meditate on that the rest of the day today. 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, by night, and I am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you who brought me out of the womb, you made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob will honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him. But he has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. God, we thank you that you have done it. God, thank you for the way that Psalm 22 reveals and reminds us of the way that you foretold how Jesus was going to come, even down to the details of how his enemies would respond, their their behavior, even after he was dead. God, thank you. Thank you for your word and the way that it, it proves itself over and over, for the way that you use it to, to reconcile our hearts towards you, to reveal your character and your nature and the way that you have pursued us since before we were even born to have a relationship with you. God, help us to be that people, that future generation that tells about you, that tells this good news to everyone that we meet, that help us to proclaim your righteousness. And God, we pray 
for the people that are around us, the people that we might have the opportunity to share this message with. God, help us not to be afraid in that. Help us not to shy away from that, but to see it as an incredible privilege that you created us in this time, in this place for such a time as this. God, I thank you for the way that you continue to empower and equip us. I pray for peace for my friends today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends, real quick before we go, I want to tell you about a couple resources in the shop. I just got in an ESV study Bible, which I think would be really helpful for some of you. We always talk about the color method and uh, journaling and the goal of meditation and comprehension. But for some of you that are new to Bible study that are looking for just a regular study Bible with notes and insights, I think that's going to be really helpful for you. So you can find that at shehears.org on the resources page. And then there's other things also. If you're new to Bible reading, I have these neat Bible tabs. They're pretty and you can put them on the sides of your Bible and it lists all the different books of the Bible. So instead of going to the index in the front and seeing which page that chapter of the Bible is on, you can just flip to whatever tab has the name of that. And especially for teenagers, like my daughters use those and that's really helpful for them. So there's that. There's a bunch of different resources. Of course, you can get the She Hears Bible Study there. I just pray that those resources bless you. And then also don't forget about our free Facebook group. I post on there a couple times a week. We just offer prayer and accountability and you can ask questions about the podcast. That is the Daily Women's Christian Facebook group and you can find the link for that in the show notes as well. I pray that those resources bless you. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.